Hello, hello, and hello, everybody! Welcome back for another episode. If not now, when? Today, oh my goodness, I have such an honor to have our special guest today with us, Scott Thomas, the founder and chief experience officer at Mart Intelliki, a leading revenue growth marketing agency. Oh my gosh, guys, please check it out! Such an amazing agency here, and guys. <laughs> Background is so amazing, including corporate marketing strategy, uh, execution, execution, legend, intellectual property licensing, software selection, implementation. Oh my goodness, he is a smart guy. You can tell. A couple fun fact about Scott: He is an adventure seeker. Guess what? He has visited over a hundred countries on this planet. Oh my God, that is my like dream. He also loves live music. That's why he lives in Austin, Texas.、Um, He also served on several nonprofit board and also earned him a two Austin Under Forty finalists award. Wow! With that, everybody, I am so beyond excited. Please join me and welcome Scott. Thank you so much for joining me.、Thanks. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is great. Yes, and yes. So, Scott, tell us how does all the whole journey begin? Oh wow, that is、uh, that that is a big one. So I'll try not to go too far back.、Uh, so I grew up.、Uh, I remember going to Duke. I'll start with Duke because you know we both went to Duke, right? Shall、um, we? So I have to have to go there. But you know, I go. I'll, I'll go back because whenever I would go, people say, "Oh, where are you from?" I say, "Oh, you know, California." And the first question they say, "Oh, do you surf?" And I said, actually, I've never been surfing,、um, <laughs> and I grew up about 20 minutes from the beach. But you know, I grew up in Southern California.、Um, at the time, there were not a lot of Californians at Duke, and、mm. so、um, you know,、uh, grew up、uh, only child. My parents dragged me all over. You mentioned 100 countries, right? So my parents have been in 170 countries.、Wow. So people say, yeah, are they in foreign service? No. So I had a very interesting life, right? I grew up in. Going to public school, played soccer, kind of the regular—I don't want to say regular, but regular upbringing, right? Yeah.、Um, and you know the、uh, you know I had a lot of interest, but you know in high school、uh, I saw you know I want to go do something else, right? I'd grown up in California, even though I'd seen the world,、mm. I wanted to live somewhere else, right?、Mm. Uh, and so I started looking at schools. My parents gave me this book. It was a book back then called the Fisk Guide to Colleges, and so I would pour over this book and just read about all these magical places, right? And like, this school is this character, and this school has that character, and this school is known for this. Look at Cornell and Harvard, and I looked at all the big fancy schools, right? And、mm. here I am, this little kid from Southern California, right?、Um, Stanford was on the list because if you're in California, right, that's what you do. You you know, and one of my best friends ended up going there.、Um, but I remember just reading all the schools, and there was something about、um, Duke. That resonated with me, right? I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but it was a great school. It had a really good social life, which was important to me.、Um, you know, it had a great basketball team, right? I mean, that's I was I, I want to be a, a really good basketball player. I was not very good.、Um, I was much better at soccer. So,、uh, and so you know, I remember visiting back east all these schools with my with my mom, and I walked onto the campus. Uh, the different, you know, and certain ones are interesting. I went to Brown, saw Harvard, UVA, and I walked on a Duke. And my, I don't remember this, but my my mom said, "I walked on campus." I said, "I'm going to go here." And she, and normally my mom is like a huge cheerleader, and she's like, "You got to get in here first." <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I don't remember saying that right.、Mm. So,、uh, anyways, so you know, fast forward.、Uh, You know, big culture shock, huge culture shock coming from California、mm. to the East Coast. Describe、right? that. Wow, where do I begin? Right. So I knew no one,、mm. not a lot of people, right? But、uh, I realized a lot of people knew other people, right?、Uh, especially East Coast kids, as I like to call them, right?、Um, a lot of prep school. So I was like public school kid.、Um, You know, I you know kind of had what I it was an upper middle class, but it was you know when you go to Duke, I was I felt like a poor kid,、mm. 
um, just alone. comparatively, right? I mm-hmm. mean, like Ralph Lauren's kids were there. I mean, there's all these Wall Street bankers. Like, I didn't even, it's just like, uh, it, you know, it's kind of like um, country mouse, city mouse, right? Like, even though I'm like from Southern California, like I just mm-hmm. felt, I felt that. Mm. And the South was a little bit weird um, because California is very multicultural, mm. or at least where I grew up, right? Mm. It was like my high school was 70% Latino. Like I was the minority, but I never thought of it that way. It just mm-hmm. the way you grow up is the kind of the way you grow up. Mm. And I come somewhere and, you know, you feel, I, you know, I hate to say it, racism, right? You could feel it in the air. Wait, growing up or in? At Duke. Really? Mm-hmm. So I went 92, 96. Okay. Because, wow. Interesting. And not like nothing like um crazy okay but an undercurrent okay and i could feel it right in the like in the city and like just being in the south and i know that sounds weird or but um and maybe it was the contrast like where i grew up i was Mm. the minority and then i was like the majority Mm. i see i see what you say um anyways don't don't want to dwell on that but you know that just and you know and then i i had a you know, the other kids at, at Duke were very prepared mm. and I was super unprepared <laughs> scholastically. Like my study habits were non-existent. Like I realized I kind of sailed through high school somewhat unscathed. Um, so I never learned like study habits and like, and I never had to really like, I realized I didn't have to work that hard for my grades. Mm. Don't, don't tell my high school that. Um, (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And so my first two years, like, as I say, I got my ass handed to me. Um, Mm. Like I had like a 2.5 GPA. Like the first thing they say when you get there Mm -hmm. at Duke is, Mm Everyone, everyone's excited. You're there. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, I'm here. I'm meeting all your friends. And the first thing they say is half of you in this room will be on the bottom half of your class. And of course, mathematically, that makes sense. But everyone there is like top 10%, mm-hmm. top 1%. Mm-hmm. And then you come there and you're just another student. Right. And so anyways. How is that experience shaping you? Sounds like at that point, things are easy, right? You know, you were excelling, I imagine, high school, junior high, you probably topped up the top students. And now you're going to a, a different cultural experience. And now you're one of many. Now you are a fish in a bigger ocean. Big time. And that's what I wanted, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think I knew exactly mm-hmm. in those words, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I wanted to I wanted to experience more things. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to... Uh, you know, find my place in the world and make an impact. You do? Yeah, mm. do, did, did, but like I'm going back to my old self, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I thought Duke would be a kind of a finishing school, right, for mm. that, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think in many ways, well, not in the ways that I thought, um, was that, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, and there's a, I'm competitive, right? Kind of a quiet, like I, I like to say California competitive, mm. not like New York competitive, right? Like I don't wear it on my sleeve, but- uh, Not chill. Exa- exactly, right? Like a duck, right? Like try to be chill on top, although I'm really not, but, um, and really paddling like crazy underneath, right? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I'm, you know, I showed up there and it was like, whoa, this is like a different level. Everybody here is smart and they actually have like study habits. So, and mm. they work harder than I do. Mm. Right. And so that was, that was an awakening. Right. So, you know, that said, that's just the academic part. Like I had a lot of fun my first two years. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I think I tried to grow more, um, sort of emotionally and socially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really find my place. I was pre-med. Mm-hmm. My roommate like would like ace, he would like set the curve. He's a doctor now. Of makes, course. Makes sense, right? Uh, and I like, you know, we knew we were kind of the same level of, you know, capability. And like, I would just study twice as hard and get like half the grade, right? 
and I'm like, I like, I don't, that's like two standard deviations away from my normal experience. Right. <laughs> how's that, how's that shaping you, Scott? How's that impacting you at the time? Oh yeah. I mean, I like, I like, I had some identity crisis, right. For sure. Mm. Um, like I had never failed to that extent. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it was hard. I mean, I, uh, I had a little bit of a breakdown between my sophomore and junior year. Mm. Like I got a D I'd never even got a C I got a D in organic chemistry. Right. And it, you know, I was like, I realized how much pressure and even my parents, uh, you know, bless them, but didn't really help. They're like, well, you obviously weren't studying. You didn't get a D you got a D. And I was like, no, I studied for that D. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, so, you know, I came back, um, you know, there's a, there's, there's a, a, something that says like, first you have to explore before you exploit or expand. Mm-hmm. And so that was now looking back, there's nothing better, but man, like I feel the pain still of that time. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause if I put my mind to something, mm-hmm. I would succeed. Mm-hmm. And even if I didn't put my mind to it, I would succeed. Mm-hmm. Right. And like this one was like two levels of like, I put my mind to something and I failed. Mm-hmm. And so it was a huge, like, I, you know, it was, it was a problem. Right. And so I came back my junior year and had to soul search. Mm-hmm. And what did you find out? Well, um, I, I find out that part of the reason I want to be a doctor some great things, right? I want to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, I always liked biology, you know, like there's a lot like intellectually that seemed interesting. Mm-hmm. It was well paid mm-hmm. just being, you know, like yeah, of course. all the things, right? So, you know, it just, it seemed to make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hadn't really failed at anything. So it was never an idea that like I wouldn't be a match for something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to take stock and, you know, I kind of picked a major that was like sort of a combo of some of the stuff my parents did. My mom was an attorney. My mom, my dad was, you know, a CFO. And so like economics, right. Kind of like policy and mm-hmm. finance. Right. And, uh, you know, got in the groove and then got like Dean's list and it just like, Oh, so you pivot. I pivoted, that. totally pivoted. Oh, so wow. I switched my, yeah, I switched from, well, I undeclared, but I was pre-med and mm. then I switched to economics uh, and then, yeah, Dean's List and, That's you know, incredible. and I didn't really have to study. It was back to high school again. Mm. I mean, I had to study, but, it, it, you know, it just flow, right? Sounds like you had to find your, you find your path. Right. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I've tried to get better, but I, I'm kind of a learn the hard way guy sometimes is what I found. <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> um, I go so hard at something that a lot of times I, I don't always, I'm not always looking out in front and I'll kind of hit a brick wall. Mm. Right. And so sometimes you can kind of go around it a little bit gracefully. Um, you know, I have really high pain threshold and perseverance, mm-hmm. which is great until it's not. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I mean, that's how I language it. Right. Mm. So, uh, sounds like that four year really impact you. Oh, big time. Big time. Significantly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I had a, you know, it was kind of tale of two experiences, right. Um, kind of pre-med and Mm -hmm. then, you know, post-pre-med. Um, yeah. And then, you know, really got involved in a lot of extracurricular activities, um, Got a couple jobs mm-hmm. my senior year, so worked at Fuqua, mm. um, did SAT testing, like central campus president, started doing all the kind of things I used to do in high school. But I, I felt like my first two years, I, you know, I was such a fish out of water that mm-hmm. I kind of stayed in my lane, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after I got a, a good feel for, mm-hmm. okay, like this is different, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, changed my major, did well. Uh, and it was also, I think, because all my good friends were engineers and doctors mm-hmm. ended up being. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of stayed with that pack. So it was a little bit of, I have to like break from my pack. Mm, interesting. If I, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had never really thought of it before mm-hmm. actually this conversation. Um, so there was just a lot of like emotional 
things wrapped up in that. Was and it so, difficult to break from your pact? Um, yeah, I mean, that was part of it. I, mm-hmm. they, I mean, they would tease me because that's what friends do. <laughs> but they would say, well, you know, you're not a, you're not, you don't have a real major, right? Like, mm. you know, we're all engineers and, you know, you don't have to work that hard. Mm. as an economics major, right? And, they, you know, you didn't have to do, they were always in class, always in lab, mm-hmm. always really more grinding. Mm-hmm. And so I had more diverse things I did, mm-hmm. which is more my personality anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, When so, did you, how do you find peace with that? Uh, oh, I mean, I think once I made the decision, mm-hmm. um, I found peace, but the leading up to part mm-hmm. uh, kind of went into a dark hole, a little bit of a depression even, mm. right? Um, wow. And so that was my process, I guess, at the time, right? Um, and my, you know, my parents were far away. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, you know, all my close friends are excelling in the thing I'm sucking at. Mm-hmm. Must be hard. <laughs> um, and I had a lot of identity attached to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's not discouraged to separate that at Duke. Right. High, mm-hmm. high performance school. Yep. Um, anyways, this is like a little bit like therapy, but um, that's incredible because the way how I see it is almost like that four years experience. You were almost reborn like a phoenix. You figured out really what is your path and you step into that, finding that truth, finding the own identity and really follow through whatever in your heart that moment. That is courage. That's incredible. So tell us from that moment, what is next for you? Wow. Yeah. So, um, so I, uh, so my senior year, uh, I, and by the end, and this is my personality, right? Like I dialed in the Duke experience. Like I fully optimized the Duke Duke experience for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, I, my senior year, I took, I had classes only Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I had Monday and Friday off, which I ended up, I did work. So I, you know, I kind of threw myself into stuff, but I kind of had the optimal experience. And then I attacked the job search, like exhaustively. Like Mm -hmm. I literally applied to every company, I don't say every company in the world, um, a lot of them. Right. Um, but it was like, you know, it was my job to look for a job. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I had a binder. I had like, I had this crazy process, like OCD level of like, you know, and I I mean, I was at the, like this, the, I I don't know what it was called at the time, like the career center. Right. Um, I was there all the time, Mm -hmm. like all the time I was a junkie. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is I was, if I really look at it, yes, I was pushing, but I was kind of making up for lost time, I think, in my psyche, which I thought was like my first two years were kind of a loss. Mm-hmm. This is just my feeling, right? And mm-hmm. so I'm like, I need to make up for it. I need to make the most of my – I came here to like finishing school. Let's really like mm-hmm. make the most of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so interviewed it like all the places. Every other econ major went to Wall Street. And I remember – um, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm always going to check out all my options. Cause this mm-hmm. is the time like Duke, I have these options. Like mm-hmm. I would be crazy not to look at all of them. Of course. Right. Like mm-hmm. this is why I'm here. Right. Like most people are not afforded this opportunity. I, that was, I was very aware of that. Mm-hmm. So I remember it was Morgan Stanley. There's an info session and I'm always watching the people who are not talking in the, like, you know, the, the, the recent students who are off on the side and talking with their friends. And, and of course, they're given the pretty sales pitch and, mm-hmm. you know, Morgan Stanley's great. And here's why we're better than Goldman Sachs and, you know, all this other stuff. And, you know, working 100 hours a week is great. Blah, blah. I mean, I'm being a bit facetious, right? And I remember one of the guys off to the side, he said, and I, yeah, I heard him whisper to his friend, he said, I calculated how much money I make per hour. And I would make more money per hour if I worked at McDonald's than the hours I work at Morgan Stanley. And I don't know why. The minute I heard that, I was like, I am absolutely not going to work there. Right. Like if that is and it's not so much that I didn't mind working hard. Right. It was just like that's like the culture. I understand. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's just something that didn't resonate. Mm-hmm. Like I liked the some of the intellectual parts of it, mm-hmm. but just like that whole grinding 
yeah, just grind to grind, right? Like mm-hmm. I was just like, man, that just does not no. <laughs> hard no right and so um yeah i ended up getting a job at accenture mm. um you know admittedly i wasn't super thrilled about but it was kind of the same right like duke i was thrilled about getting in accenture no offense to accenture um it, it was like look this is a great starting point mm. but i was like you know i got a better feel but i, I just did not get the warm fuzzies right mm. and it's just my gut Right. Mm-hmm. Couldn't put my finger on it. So, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually, I look back, I, I'm much more thankful now mm-hmm. of the experience probably than I was then. So year and a half went mm-hmm. to Charlotte. Um, you know, ironically ended up working like a hundred hours a week. Um, not surprising. <laughs> Consulting, banking, really? Yeah. That, that might've been a little bit naive on my part, but here we are. Um, and we so, all learn. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But, uh, you know, I, I was there about a year and a half. Uh, I was managing 12 people at 23, mm. which I was like, you know, client. And I, I mean, I had no business doing it, but I was working so hard. They were like, oh, here, just give him more stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, and I wasn't, I think I, I hit a breaking point where I, I want to change. Right. Like I've been in North Carolina mm-hmm. for about seven years mm-hmm. and it was great, but it was a bit, um, you know, I kind of want to go to a sort of bigger city, right? Mm-hmm. Even though Charlotte mm-hmm. is now a bigger city, um, I just want to try something else. So of all things, uh, I was on a plane ride um, sitting next to a guy. No joke. Um, we start talking. He's the president of this construction company in Baltimore. He's telling me about this project. I start giving him like real-time consulting. Mm-hmm. And he goes, would you be interested in interviewing for a job? Wow. And I said, uh, well, tell me more. Uh, and he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm creating this video knowledge management company, I think. But, you know, it's just an idea. He's like, I've been looking for somebody to start it. And um, this is so new that there's nobody who's like mm-hmm. the Internet's being created right now. Like mm-hmm. he's like, I he's like, do you want to interview for running it? And I'm like. Hell yeah. I did not say hell yeah, but uh, yes, I would love that. Um, <laughs> yes. Always. So yeah, I got a, a flight to Baltimore. I interviewed, you know, excitement and IHA, got the job. He's like, I'm going to, you know, run, start a company underneath another company, which is like a measure of safety, but entrepreneur. That's I was incredible. like, yeah. So, you know, put in my notice at Accenture, moved Picked up, moved to Baltimore. Uh, what a magical event. Almost <laughs> like you were thinking about it and they just fall into your lap. Right, right. Yes. And, and at that point, I'm, I'm curious, do you always know you want to start something at one point? Do you have that little itch in that moment? And when that opportunity presents itself, you're like, this is fantastic. Texting water. <sighs> yeah, it's, you know, I'm trying to go back to my, you know, college self. Um yeah, I think even when I was interviewing at companies, um, I, A, I, I didn't really, I, I think part of my Duke experience was like humbled me, maybe over humbled me. That's arguing. Um, but uh, at the same time, right, like I, I knew I wanted to start a company, but coming out of, out of college, I was like, look, I, I don't think I have the you know, I don't mm-hmm. have the experience, right? Especially if I want to do anything of import. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I took the job at Accenture because I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm 22, right? Like, uh, and back then people were not starting yeah. companies yeah. right out of school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think there was always an inkling. I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know what it looked like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't a model, right? So mm-hmm. back then, like that was, there's there were like three paths on being a bit facetious. Like you... Consulting, investment banking, law school, or med school. Mm. And again, it wasn't quite that, but like those were the available options. So those are great starting point options. Of course. But a lot of the starting points end up being endpoints, right? And that's what I saw. That's so interesting. You uh, say it that way. Uh, because I saw, you know, I talked to bankers and they're like, I hate my job. And the lawyers are like, I hate law. And, and when did you realize that? That's a huge 
huge insight. Well, because at age I up twenty two. Because I think I was such a career like placement junkie that like I had enough conversations mm-hmm. that people would, and probably my you know I'm I'm able to kind of draw stuff out of people mm-hmm. and not. It's not even really I'm trying, but like that combination, I just get enough pieces of information where I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, I always kind of squint when I'm like, mm, something doesn't add up, right? Like you just want to figure out the truth. Yes, yes, and so yeah, so it was that. So yeah, I mean, the, your original question was, yeah, so how did I know? So I, I mean, it was a great opportunity, and I figured, hey, if this doesn't work out, I'm 23, mm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't. You know, I have a, I don't have a lot to lose, right? And then what's next for you? Yeah, so um, you know, like it happens. Um, my view of what starting the company was and working for another entrepreneur were different. I mean, this guy was incredibly successful, brilliant, like, mm. like off the charts, brilliant. Mm. One of the smartest people I ever met. Um, but he had a hard time managing people, including mm. me. Mm. Um, and I didn't need a ton of management, but I needed general, uh, you know, just like give me a direction and I'll go, you know, if say Scott, take the hill, mm-hmm. you don't have to tell me how to take the hill. I'll just take the hill, but you can't really like mess with my process too much. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, and he was an engineer and he wanted to tell me exactly how to like take the hill. And let me tell you exactly how to take the hill, even though I don't know how to take the hill. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and coupled with I was 23, I probably did not handle the, all the things with grace, right? Um, but at a certain point, you know, after about a year, I, you know, we came to, hey, this is not working. Mm. I'll look for another gig. I'll help you find, like, pretty much a video production person mm. who that's like – Really, you, like you want to tell them what to do, and that's cool. I'm mm-hmm. just not that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's incredible in that young age having the courage to knowing that the truth for yourself, your your own leadership style or working style, and then having that courage to show that with you know your manager at the time and tell him, you know what, I don't have a next gig, but I think this is not working out, and having the courage to say that that's not easy. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I think I did. And the other hand, it was the same. And this has kind of been a really recurring theme. I kind of fell into a little bit of a depression because, like, I had the courage, mm-hmm. but then I didn't know my next path mm. at the same time, right? And so that's like a, a we little— would, We would never know, do we? No, but at, up at that point, I was— um, you know, I don't know if it was the time or it was me, but I felt like, you know, like at Duke, right? You kind of had three paths, mm-hmm. right? So you always have a clarity in up that point in your life. Yes. After high school, go to the best college. In college, you got this and this and this. This is a career path. You have very clearly the blueprint. And that was the first time in your lifetime you are realizing there's no blueprint. Yeah. And, and luckily I had failed and some failed slash, you know, hit a brick wall. At Duke in some manner, but you're right. This was a true like, whoa, okay, like, you know, the treasure map. This is I'm at the end of the treasure map and like I'm <laughs> off the treasure map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Per the three path. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm off the tree. Like, uh, there's no map for this, right? And um how do you pivot? Oh boy. Um how so, do you pick yourself up? Yeah. So, and I haven't thought about this in a long time. So, <laughs> this is my personality. Uh, I ended up taking something called, I think it was the Headlands Group Research. So, basically, at that point, I kind of had another crisis of identity. And I said, you know, I, you know, it was not a fit, but also I did not excel as much as I, in my mind, wanted in that mm-hmm. role. I need an objective third-party mm. assessment. So I basically took an all-day self-assessment test. Wow. Like motor skills and like mm. spatial intelligence and like ri- – like You're I such d- a geek. Totally. I mean, that's what I said, right? Like this is – I mean, yes, my wife would say this. Yeah, I mean um, 100%, right? Like I'm – like mm-hmm. I need – you know, clarity. Clarity. I need, or I need more information, right? Because mm-hmm. like I'm obviously not, you know, I need a, 
a, not just a map of that information, right? And so mm-hmm. I took the test and it told me all these potential jobs, which were like consulting and like I wasn't far off and mm-hmm. it, it didn't give me like the map. Mm-hmm. But it was a little bit of validation on like, mm-hmm. am I crazy? Am I like, you know, you know, what am I meant to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, okay, well, here's my skills, and it's kind of what I thought, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm analytical and like strategic, and you know, like good at numbers, but good at like, you know, uh, communication and language and all, you know, so. It's like, okay, well, my econ was a good major and yeah, you know, like I probably shouldn't do like hardcore comp sci Mm -hmm. um, because I had pretty technical roles at that point, right? Because Accenture, Mm. I was like doing SQL programming. I was doing consulting too, but I was like, yeah, no, yeah, it's not. I mean, again, in retrospect, in my current job, I'm so thankful, Mm -hmm. like in reverse, like Mm -hmm. The amount of things I can leverage mm-hmm. from a skill perspective is like invaluable. And I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. so thankful mm-hmm. now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but so, you know. You know, I just have one thought. Yeah, go for it. I think, Scott, you are, you are in heart. You are an engineer in a creative world. You are the creative in the engineering world. And you have strained up both. And that's why you do so well what you do today. Uh, it, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like to think myself as left and right brain, mm-hmm. you know, most people kind of pigeonhole me because in marketing it's more creative. So if you're the antithesis, mm-hmm. then m- most times you get put in the other one, right? Cause most mm-hmm. people who are creative, like stay in the creative realm, mm-hmm. right? Um, no, I mean, so yeah, I mean, is that truthful to you? Is that resonate? Yeah, it does. I I probably haven't mined the creative because um, if I look, if you go way back, right? And I, it's funny. I hear my son. He doesn't say one of them, but um, I wanted to be either. I want to be a, a veterinarian and an actor, which you know those two go together like peanut butter and jelly, right? Um, <laughs> wow. Wait, he said that? No, I did way back when. Now, literally, and I did not bring up any of this. He for he goes. I want to be an animal doctor. I want to be an artist. My my wife is more of an artist. So wow. like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. Like there's something like sort of innate, right? That's uh, incredible. I, I love that. I'm fascinated by little kids when the children, they just know the truth. They know what is in their heart and right. they are so unafraid. Yeah. He goes, I'm an artist. He just says like, I'm an artist. Daddy, you know, I'm an artist. I'm like, I, I know. I know. But. It is such a gift. Oh yeah. Right. It's beautiful. And I know it's awesome. It's so, I mean, being a dad is amazing. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother (laughs) topic. Incredible. So Scott, you know, bring us in. So at what point you realize you want to start your own journey? Tell us about that. Was that easy pivoting from you have, you know, just impressive resume experience from one entity to another, right? You know, running different business unit and grow, you know, incredible result here. What moment you realize, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. So I'll make it quick. I'm going to go back one step and yep. get and go there. Um, so when I went from Baltimore, mm-hmm. at the t- point, I realized uh, I had been going really hard, like even since 18, at, like mm-hmm. in my career. So I picked cities I wanted to live in. Mm-hmm. And so I found Austin as a city. I got a job from a, a Duke friend. So another Duke connection. Notice the Duke thread here. Um, go Duke. I'm repping Duke. Uh, and... So I, you know, picked up, moved, um, you know, but Austin at the time, this was 99 is not the Austin of today. Right. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a ton of opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, but it was great, great town kind of, you know, grew up in my twenties. Right. Um, and you know, I took my foot off the gas on the professional side a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still had a good career and everything else, but I kind of, you know, enjoyed Austin and being in my twenties. Right. Cause I had just been working hundred hours a week before. Mm. Um, so, you know, kind of fast forward, um, it, you know, got a job at prodigy internet, um, got bought by AT&T, had a mm. bunch of really good corporate roles there. Um, uh, but had a, you know, as they say now, good work life balance. Mm. <laughs> we need them. Uh, and I'm pretty self-motivated, so I still work pretty hard, mm-hmm. but if I really like look in the context of like some of the other jobs, right, you mm-hmm. know, I'd work 50 hours a week, right? And so have a lot of time to do other things. 
So kind of fast forward, but there was always an itch to do something, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, I was on not not for profit boards. I got my some of my entrepreneurial energy out of there. Mm-hmm. I I did startup business units at AT and T. So, mm-hmm. um, the last one was intellectual property licensing, which I loved, and I had you know basically you know helped grow that from nothing to like 125 million in three years, right? And so wow. that was just working with really smart people. Like I was the only one. Mm-hmm. I was like the dumb guy of the group. Which was awesome. I mean, mm. everyone else had a PhD, uh, a mm-hmm. JD, an MBA. I was like the undergrad, mm. right? Like that's all I had, right? So I always say like I was the sales guy. And it was kind of true, right? Like I was a sales – like everyone else would like analyze the patents. And I would do mm-hmm. that too, right? But I would say how is this going to work out in the real world, right? So you were the business guy. I was the business. I mean they were all – right? But I was the – you know, this is what I call sales and marketing, right? That's a contact sport, Right. Mm -hmm. I was the contact sport, right. Where the, you know, where the idea met the market. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love. Right. And so, you know, where I'm going here is like, I enjoyed it, you know, and then corporate being corporate, Mm -hmm. there was Bell South got bought and our group got taken over. And, um, you know, I, I didn't basically all my accounts kind of got taken from me and, uh, well, you know, I, I'm always one to make something of it. And so I started flipping houses. This was back in 2005, uh, just to try it on the side. So mm-hmm. this, you know, I thought maybe I'll do real estate, flipped a house, hated it. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, wife, girlfriend at the time ended up loving it. Mm. <laughs> um, and I was like, man, I, I don't want to do that. So anyways, I, uh, I left AT&T, got a job as director of marketing for a company at Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. um, doing marketing automation and, you know, was there for about a year and just, yeah, I think I kind of hit my limit of corporate for me mm-hmm. in that context. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I kind of knew what needed to get done mm-hmm. and I would go to my bosses and say, here's what I need. And I wouldn't really get it and I get it. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I just had a sort of a magical point slash probably frustration point where I, uh, and at the time my, uh, girlfriend, uh, had started her business and we had come home every day and she was ecstatic and I was pissed. Mm. <laughs> and so you put all that into a pressure cooker mm-hmm. and it was just like a recipe for, I got to do something different. Mm-hmm. You know, in retrospect, I wouldn't have done it maybe the way that I did it, but it was what it was, right? Mm -hmm. And so I got a former uh, boss who basically said, look, do you want to leave your job? I got a contract for you if you want to do it, um, doing some consulting. And, you know, basically it was the same rate that I was making in corporate America, and that was an easy decision Mm -hmm. for me to make. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I decided to start. uh, That's where IntelliKey came in. Mm. Um, So I had a, a... Intellikey is a Greek word meaning uh, turning potential into reality. And so that's what I wanted to do because I saw a lot in corporate America where there was a lot of nuggets of something mm-hmm. and intellectual property licensing, right? You're, you're given kind of a, a raw technology or mm-hmm. a, a raw set of things. And then how do you make something from it, right? Mm-hmm. And I realized I was good at that too. And mm-hmm. so that was a passion. Um, also with people, right? I, I like that. Just it was very um, – sort of expansive idea, mm. right? And so, yeah, I started, uh, you know, a couple months later, 2008, Lehman Brothers happened. Mm. Uh, somehow made it through two very lean years. Um, mm. But some, like, worked 80, 100 hours a week, but, man, some of the best times, like, just living by your wits. And especially I had in my, if I looked in retrospect, a good mix of experience and energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need that passion. Yes. Mm. Right. And so, uh, you know, um, uh, kind of history is written from there. And so that, you know. So was that a contract job or were you starting a? So I started a business, but that was my first contract. Wow. What a perfect world. Right. You kind of have that. Little bit safe net, just a little bit, yes. but in the same time, gave you the fantastic foundation to restart off on your own. Yep, yep, that's, no, that's amazing. Right. Were you 
have any fear or doubt at that moment when up to the point, every step is that safety net before? Oh, I mean, I had a lot of doubt. Um, I mean, I think the first six to nine months were exhilarating slash scary. Mm. (laughs) How do you get over that? Uh, Well, I don't know if I completely got over it. The scary part goes down over time Mm -hmm. and shifts, Mm -hmm. or at least for me, it did. Um, I... I mean, 2008 to 2010, I probably interviewed at two different places at points where I did not have a contract and I had to pay a mortgage. Mm. So it got very real, very real, right? Like if I did not, it was not a theoretical exercise, right? Mm-hmm. As they say, this is this is a live fire exercise. Uh, yeah, if I don't get a contract, I don't pay my mortgage. Wow. So, um, Will you ever want to quit? In that list of challenge? Um, I didn't want to. Um, and that's probably what kept it going, mm-hmm. right? Is that intent and will. But I was also, you know, there's a practical part of me. Mm-hmm. That, and I wasn't, you know, the only thing I probably learned at that point was not being too proud. Just to try to assess a situation. Like, how do you balance perseverance and reality? Mm-hmm. That's probably what. I got better at. Um, but I remember interviewing at Dell of all places. And I think I was going to get a job offer and I had another pending contract. Like mm-hmm. this was timing, right. And, yeah. and like a mortgage payment, all these are all things mm-hmm. hanging in the air. And, uh, you know, my wife, this is where it helps, um, you know, gave me the courage, the additional courage to say, like, I was like, well, what do you think? Should I take the job? She says, no, don't do it. And my wife, you know, sometimes is not as, you know, sometimes more risk averse, less. And, and that to me gave me a lot of courage and that having that support mm. meant, the, meant the world. Right. And so, wow. and also like, are you sure? Cause normally I'm that person. Right. And so we kind of, she turned the tables on me a little bit. Cause usually she's like, you know, should you be doing that Scott? Like, have mm-hmm. you thought through that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, you gotta have faith. Right. And this is one of those times where I was like, well, maybe I should, you know, hey, I got to pay a mortgage. Right. If I need a job for a while and, you know, uh, that's okay, Right. Mm. Like it's not the end of the world. Mm. What drives you, Scott? Because at that point, it sounds like it's been challenging. And whether it's reality of mortgage or just that personal doubt. Right. There's so many layers adding on top, but you still you know, choose not giving up. And of course, you know, with encouragement from your wife, but what drives you? What keep you going? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I think one is I've seen that movie before, uh, meaning the alternative and there's nothing against it, right? Just Mm -hmm. from my, my personality and and who I am. And I think Mm -hmm. what I, what I can give. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I felt like this is, this is the right path. Um, even if it's a dream deferred, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, dream gone, right? It's mm-hmm. just, I may have to wait a little bit longer, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think number two, you know, for me is, is you know, I just had that kind of seed uh, of like my gut feel that, yes, I, I'm, I'm meant to start a company, right? Um, you just, you always know that? Yeah, I don't I don't know why, right? It's just something in me cuz I've experienced those different scenarios and I think I just know mm. um you know, that's maybe one of my only superpowers. <laughs> you have many. <laughs> Is that gut feel, right? Mm-hmm. Is knowing like just intrinsically like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, no that's a good fit, right? Mm. That's not a good fit. Mm, beautiful. And tell us what happened from there, from that tough choice between job and continue that one month. So, you know, uh, we have a lot of interconnecting threads, right? So um, I got a contract with Dell. Mm. I know. See, see where all the roads, see, see this Duke and Dell. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and funny, funny slash scary. I do lots of scary things now that I look back. I'm like, wow, I'm a little bit, um, it can sound foolhardy in retrospect, uh, but I, I took on who's now um, one of the uh, lead folks on our team, my friend Mike Nink. Um, 
he was leaving a company. He said, hey, do you have anything? And at that time, I just picked up a Dell contract. I had one other client, my first client still. Wow. Right? Um, and so I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm building something. Like, you know, and this is my good friend who's also very talented. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, I don't have a full-time gig. I can I can pay you contract. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yep, I'll, I'll join. Right? I was like, great. So um, – Picked up Dell. Um, That's incredible. That's after you decide to stay, yeah, right? Yeah. It's almost like the moment you decide with that vision and therefore faith just show up. It, no, it's well said, right? Like manifest. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, wow. I didn't and know. I didn't know it was a lot more struggle manifesting back then than it is now. <laughs> when was that? 2009? That 10? was 2010. 10. Okay. So that's 10 years, 12 years back. So tell us. How does the business sell from that moment? Yeah, so so you, sometimes you got to go back to go forward. Mm. So I remember Mike had joined, and we had our original client. Uh, I'll just say we had a mm, an abusive client takeover, um, and we had Dell at the time, and they did something, and it was like two a.m. They wrote some just not unhinged email is the best way to put it. Um, and I just kind of broke and it was directed to my friend and, you know, now coworker. And, uh, I don't know, uh, like the next morning I said, Hey, we're, I'm going to fire this client. And he's like, well, then we only have one client. I go, I know. And he says, is that smart? And I said, I don't know. But I was like, what I do know is, I did not start a business to work for people like that. And what did you do? Uh, I basically invoked our 30-day notice and just like fired the other client. Now, where you are today, do you still think that is a decision you were made? In hindsight? <sighs> uh, I mean, I don't know that it was smart, right? But I think it was so fresh like what the trade-offs were at mm. that point. Mm-hmm. And it was so clear on why I started. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just about like what we were doing as business, but how we were doing it mm-hmm. that, yeah, it was that clear, right? Like. Sounds like a right choice to me. Yeah. Cause Hey, look, if we, if I got to go get a job, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do it that way. I think right? it's integrity. Yep. And respect. Yeah. I mean, and I think I have, well, is, you know, I, I've changed a little bit too, but at the time I was, I would have probably taken that abuse, mm. but to see a friend, I see that was the difference for me. Wow. You are the leader. You want to make sure people surrounding you are treated with the right attitude and integrity and support yep. and respect. Yep. Incredible. Sometimes we just we do so much more for others than for ourselves. Yeah. Now it's true, right? That's why. Now that I'm, I, I'm, I hear that, right? Like I'm trying to do that more for myself because I think that's mm-hmm. just in starting the business. That's what I, I would always try to take the arrows, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel like a leader does. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you take too many, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I like I look at me like, man, I need to. You know, I, I got to, in order for me to keep going, I got to do the same thing, right? Can't always take the arrows. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, from there, I, you know, I, honestly, uh, Dell was a blessing across the board, right? Mm-hmm. Like to this day, you know, I know a lot of agencies like, like have, pro- you know, like, have trouble working with Dell. Like I've had almost nothing but a positive experience. Oh, Dell is the best. <laughs> and, and that's not a plug, by the way. No, real. I mean, it is not. It's genuine. No, it really, it really yes, is. Like yes. I have folks who join subsequently, and they work on Dell account, and they work on other accounts, mm-hmm. just because you know they're like, oh, Dell, or they'll have a contact, or mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Just mm-hmm. you know, as I say, sometimes familiarity breeds contempt, mm. right? Um, so how do you really? And so they, would, I was like, hey, I want to honor that. If we can move you off another account, we will mm-hmm. put them on another account. And they go, I miss Dell. Uh. <laughs> I mean, not I'm sure not 100, right? Mm-hmm. But like on the balance, they're like, 
I was like, yeah, there's a lot, you know, you just don't know what you have until it's gone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And then I've added a lot of clients mm-hmm. from there. Um, you know, do- got to do a lot of interesting things, um, you know, for a big company, you know, uh, I think Dell is, doesn't get enough credit for being, you know, as enterprising mm-hmm. as it is, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, it may not be what it what it once was from an entrepreneurial standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. But I would say, for the size and scale, it's still pretty impressive. Mm. And you know, back to you, Scott, leading the agency and going strong for twenty plus years—that is not easy. So tell us, what do you think? What is what is your superpower? What made you successful? Oh yeah, what is my? Um, no, that is a that is a good question. Um, you know, I would say I'm pretty good at um, you know turning potential reality um, at a simple level, right? So I think I can see people, companies, kind of see through what's on the surface mm-hmm. and kind of see what's behind it, and I can see where to take it next. Mm. And so, you know, um, I know that's a very general skill, right. But like, that's what I've, I figured out a lot of people don't have, right. I've been Mm. through enough repetitions where Mm -hmm. I'll see a company pitch, Mm -hmm. right. Or I'll see, I'll interview someone Mm -hmm. for a specific role and my mind will immediately, it doesn't like, I'm like, Oh, they're interviewing for this, but they're better for over here. Mm-hmm. And then people look at me, they're like, no, 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 but they're interviewing for this. I'm like, yeah, I know, but like, that's not where their skill is. Their skills over here. Mm. And then people just like, kind of look at me kind of blank stare, like, whoa, but they're inter- like, they just don't see mm-hmm. what I see. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's, I don't know. It's weird. That's kind of my superpower. Right. And so I can kind of see behind the kind of what the obvious thing is. Sounds like you are a visionary. Sounds like you are a puzzle solver. Sounds like you are someone who can see things beneath the surface and really seeing the truth and follow that. Yeah, there's there's an interesting, I won't go too far there, but there's um, uh, a test called or service called Culture Index. It's a bit of a misnomer, but um, so I took this, I'm part of Entrepreneurs Organization, this global organization of entrepreneurs. And a bunch of us took the test, right? And mm. with a bunch of super talented capable folks and it's interesting when you're when you take and there's another comment here but like i took it and i was even comparatively like off the charts visionary and that's not what i think of myself as really so that was like very like and i still it's still a very um hard thing for me to reconcile right because like why i just met you and i totally see that in you yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, which, you know, um, and not that it, there's anything r- like right or wrong with it, but I just see myself more as a practitioner. You are both. Yeah. I think without the vision, the practitioner part doesn't come with it. I think you are a visionary plus a doer. You see the vision and you make sure it happens. And I think maybe the common um, interpretation of visionary is someone who sees it and do something else. Maybe have a thousand vision and not do anything. But I actually don't see it that way. I see visionary is someone who really sees beyond beyond the common, sees what is possible. He or she could be like Wright brothers, seeing flying is possible. Maybe it's Thomas Edison at the time seeing having a light bulb is possible compared to having a candle. Like is that visionary, it takes someone's really not only having a vision, but having a courage to make the vision into reality. And that's why I see the strengths within you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, um, it just, yeah, it, it might just be the label on my head, right? Because I'm with all these other entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? Um, and some of them, it's just when I hear them, you know, I was like, man, that – I think you're more visionary. And then I take a test and not that a test is an end all be all. Right. Mm. Um, you need data. <laughs> exactly. 100%. Right. I mean, that's, that's you're the data guy. <laughs> right. I'm just like, you no, know, that's all fine and good. Right. But like, you know, I, I need a little bit of backup at least. Right. Like I, I don't, I'm not purely like, 
I can have a vision without data, but I really need the backup. Yeah. Mm. Um, That's why what you do is so successful. You're not only running a marketing agency, but back with the data, with the science, and really with proven method to taking you know company taking the project from point A to point B. Yeah. No, that I mean, and that's what I love doing, right? I mean, mm. I love, you know, talk about superpower, right? Like that's where I'm, where I'm really trying to really lean into is mm-hmm. more of that sales and marketing side, mm-hmm. right? Um, obviously, as a marketing agency, but we're leaning more into the sales side because I think mm-hmm. that's an area mm-hmm. more and more of those worlds are getting blurred. Mm, agree. That's what, I mean, it's been like people have been talking about it for a long time, mm-hmm. but the pandemic with everything going digital, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's. Anyways, that's a whole nother, yeah. that's another topic too. But um, yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, and just going back to EO, your comment yeah. about uh, where I talked about culture index. Uh, when I joined EO and now that I look at it, like the group that I'm with, like, you know, I test a more visionary, but I also look at another component, which is like risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. I jokingly call myself the accountant of entrepreneurs, meaning like I'm much more measured from a risk perspective. So you've even said a couple of times, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you kind of had this. And like, I'm not always one to fully take a leap, mm. right? I kind of go step by step. And so I think that's when I hear visionary. Mm. There's a there's like a counterweight. Mm, like um, a perception of it. Yeah. But I really like Scott, the, the way how I see it is you are just at heart of, engineer that's who you are in your heart and you're also really strong in marketing and sales and therefore you are like a perfect brand of both i really think you are 50 50 i don't see it it's like oh you are that but you have this component i think you are really think about your deal 50 percent of your time spent in the science department another 50 percent in economic and business and marketing that's who you are today yeah, yeah no it's I, it, it's interesting i mean and that is our you know that's our agency right um mm. you know merged with my wife's agency mm. so that's you know we were doing more the data-driven side and mm. more and more you know she comes from a creative background but she's the daughter of engineers so she's got her own version of that too left and right brain incredible right? so um yeah i mean that's and, and that i think that's what you realize in retrospect mm-hmm. again as an entrepreneur is you're a bit of a misfit and that's not a bad word. Misfit for what? what? Misfit for traditional mm. roles, right? Um, or That's very interesting you said like that. Like the word misfit, I don't even mean it in a negative sense, right? It's literally misfit. You just don't fit. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting you say that, but now I think about it, it's like, yes, I always know I don't fit in. Like I always, like, maybe I'm curious, do you think that's a, a self-recognizing characteristic or has to be event happened to you then you realize because I'm, I'm oftentimes curious is that nature versus nurture like do you always know you want to be entrepreneur is that is a skill or ability that come with time or do you always know great question because I've thought about this a lot uh, so two things one if I look back even when I was a little kid mm. uh, we lived on a municipal golf course and, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I was like pure born and bred entrepreneur, right? But my parents would say, well, you can't have this toy because it's, you know, or you can't buy a, a toy gun, right? Mm. And my personality is like, well, I want that thing, mm-hmm. right? And so we'd have golf balls come in our backyard from golfers. So I would clean them up. I would use print shop mm-hmm. from an Apple IIe I'm really dating myself with this comment <laughs> and I would print out a huge banner and put it on the fence, like overlooking the golf course mm. and like golf balls four for a dollar. And then people would come by, I would sell them. I'd make like 50 bucks, like, you know, in a couple hours Wow. when I was like seven or eight, like, and so I look back and I was like, Oh, I guess I always like was an entrepreneur. I wasn't like, purely but it's like oh i need i I need to go over there okay i need to just like make that happen right and you know and then i got a job at like 14 Mm -hmm. like the the first time you could legally get a job like i've i've been working since i was you Mm. know well i guess it was legal Mm. um you know and so i don't know it's a pure entrepreneur but i kind of look back and i'm like yeah you know there's a certain amount and i like to work Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm. so um 
yeah, I just, I like to solve problems. You know, mm. I'm good at the the money part, right? And so it's like, hey, that that's kind of a, an entrepreneur. Um, and I remember also <laughs> when I was at AT&T and we had uh, another group basically take us over and all, they get, they took all my accounts and I was bored. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I literally had nothing to do. Mm-hmm. I even told my boss, I have nothing to do. <laughs> and he's like, Oh no, you're valuable. And I was like, Oh no, cool. I, I know I am. I don't mean that like arrogantly. Like, uh, yeah, I know. But I'm like, I literally just don't have a job. Mm-hmm. Like I have a job that I'm paid for, but I'm not. And he's like, Oh, well, anyway, he gave me some sort of like admin task that would take me like two hours. Right. And that'd mm-hmm. be my job for a month. And right. Oh my God. Exactly. So (laughs) that's when I flipped a house and, um, I hacked into the server. I bought a trail, the first trail smartphone and I got all my email forwarded to my phone. And so I would like be out and about on a job site and just like email back on an email. Um, I wasn't even trying to evade. I was just like, Oh, this is more efficient. I'll just do this. And I don't really have a job, but I tell people the story and I, and at a certain point, like I told my boss, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to, I mean, I did the office space thing. I was like, I don't think I'm going to come in to the office. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I don't really have anything to do. So, I mean, if you need me, I'll, I'll come in mm-hmm. or you want me to do something, I'll come in, but I'll, you know, if you, I'll just work remotely. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, uh, and I tell the story and people are like, how'd you not know you're an entrepreneur when you are like, nobody in corporate would like do that. Mm. Right. Or think of that. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's not normal or you're what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I think you really are, Scott. I, I see you're at, at heart is a problem solver and you just love, you know, solving a problem. And also, I think you have such an incredible t- um, quality of just hardworking, the, the ethic and the integrity of how you really create an impact every single day. And therefore, you say you were bored. Like you could just sit there and chill and, you know, go swimming every day. But you say, you know what? No, I'm going to do something. And I think, you know, that combination of really a problem solver and passionate about creating impact and the integrity of who you are and how you show up every single day. And with that, also just that curiosity, you just follow whatever the next step is. And all that combined made you a natural born entrepreneur. You're, you're, you're selling me, right? It's interesting you say... I just did a core values exercise. I don't know if you've ever done one, but um, it was really good for me. Tell me more. You love those surveys. I do, right? Exactly. Um, what would they say? Uh, You're a data guy. Lead- well, yeah. And, and, and I do believe that leadership is a journey inward, right? I have my way saying. I think leadership, or let me, let me reframe it. I think entrepreneurship is a spiritual journey. And I mean that with nothing religious, nothing, I mean, entrepreneurship or leadership, the way how I see it is just between you and the universe, you and the world. Let's put it that way. So the spiritual journey, what it really means is you discover so much more about yourself and all the, say, challenges or things that throw at you just between you and the world. There's nobody else. It's not Rachel's fault. It's not Lisa's brain. It's not Mike's problem. It's just you and the world, the way how you're perceiving it. Therefore, I really think the entrepreneurship or leadership really is such an inward journey and exactly what you said, but in a different Yeah, way. no, I, I love that, right? And the spiritual part is huge, as you said, right? I mean, I mean that is, I think that's a part just on my journey where I'm really leaning into now, right? Mm. Is like connecting more to that because I've been so practical, right? Practical problem solver in many mm-hmm. ways. And, I can tell. You know, and it's not that the spiritual component's not there. It's just like, hey, I got to work. I got to work the you know practical mm-hmm. part, and mm-hmm. then I'll get to the spiritual part later. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you know, coming back to core values, I really feel like, and people talk about culture and core mm-hmm. values. To me, core values are the most important, and mm-hmm. you know, culture stems from core values. And you mentioned it, and it sort of affirms it. Um, one of them I might revise a little bit, but uh, the three that I have are loyalty, mm. integrity, and impact. I can totally see that. And I see, wow, I'm good. <laughs> That's what I said, right? <laughs> wow, that is incredible. I totally see you as someone with integrity. I, I know that. I can see that you are men with your words. And I also can tell that impact is really important for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say that I always hit all of them. 
but that's always that's always there. And if I if I get it wrong, I'm gonna try to make it right. I think having the targets is that number one, right? Having the awareness, knowing what you're shooting for, and then we can adjust as we as we go. And speaking of impact, uh, Scott, what impact do you want to leave on this planet? Say one day we all went to this magical place called heaven. What do you wish to leave on this planet? What legacy do you want to be remembered by? Oh yeah. Um, so there, it, I I am. This is probably in the middle later part of this journey, but um, you know, for I think the first part of my life up till now, it's been you know, and it continued to be have the greatest impact on kind of everybody and every situation that I touch, like positive impact, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that could be as a friend, that can be in business. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, uh, I think there's a seed of that as turning potential to reality. But I think more practically, both just from an interest, but also, you know, now being a, like a parent, mm-hmm. um, really try to leave the planet in a better place than it is right now. Mm-hmm. You know, where if my son and he'll probably do it very soon is like, Hey, why did we do this to the planet? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like, if I'm not in that battle, mm-hmm. I feel like I've done him and everyone else a, dis- a disservice. So that's kind of my, mm-hmm. a big part of my next chapter and environment's always been mm-hmm. a big part of me, but it's not, it's more of a, um, kind of hobby passion, mm-hmm. not really like a central part of the impact I'm making. And so that that's kind of my next part of my next chapter, uh, but a big part of it. So how would you summarize all of that in one word or two? I mean, this one's trite and I need to get it tighter, but, you know, uh, he left uh, everything better than he found it. I love it. So beautiful. My last question for you is, Scott, you come a long journey, finding yourself, finding your own path, finding your own entrepreneur journey, which is just so incredibly, just, wow, amazing to watch. I'm curious, what is your one last advice you will share with fellow entrepreneurs? Or, or think about, you know, what would you wish you know when you first start off? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I tried to have uh, as much self-knowledge as possible. Mm. And I would say, I think that was the right instinct because, you know, I really believe like kind of leadership and impact is a journey inward. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, not just your skills, but knowing your passion, knowing yourself, Mm -hmm. kind of know thyself. I Mm -hmm. think that is to me double and triple down on that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, even if you have an idea, you might be, um, kind of running down the wrong path Mm -hmm. if it's not in alignment with you and you're not doing the world a service Mm -hmm. um, if you're not fully in alignment with that. So self-awareness, knowing who you are, knowing what you really want and then go after that. Well, thank you so much, Scott, for being here today. What a beautiful journey. I am so, so grateful. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. I hope you enjoy as much as I do. And I cannot wait to see you all next week. Have a magical day and see you next time. Thank you.